Welcome back to something ominous. We're in episode four, everyone. This is really exciting because on the last podcast that I had, I stopped at three. So this this means we're going to keep going. Oh, there we go. We made it. Episode four. <laughs> <laughs> so Karina, a few of my friends reached out and told me that they had no idea what a shadow person was. Mm-hmm. And they have encounters, so I'm really trying to bribe them to send those emails. And honestly, if you guys have any encounters, we can keep you anonymous. You can change the names, whatever it is. Like, I won't tell anyone. Yeah, send them to us. All right, so let's go ahead and get started, Gadi. You go first. Okay. So this episode is a little different for me. It's a fairly new paranormal phenomenon, so there's not much information on it. The host from Monsters Among Us named... Derek Hayes was the first to hear this story from his friend Matt, and he's actually the one that named it. I'm going to start by reading Matt's personal encounter from season one, and it goes like this. About 20 years ago, I was a teenager, and my family had just moved from our old house to our new house that we just built, but the development itself was very incomplete. This happened early summer, maybe even early spring. I just remember it was warm out. Anyway, I was dead asleep in my room when suddenly I had this sudden urge. I felt compelled to walk to one of my bedroom windows. I walked over and crouched down so that I can see out the window a little better. There were some trees in the front yard that blocked the view a bit, but you could still see all the way down to the corner down the street. This was a new development, so there wasn't that many houses. And as I'm peering down looking at this corner, I see three figures walking away from my house. As I was watching them, I noticed that they were all moving in unison, almost perfectly synced together and they were not quite moving in a straight line, almost like in an angled line. They were also very, very slow, like gliding down the street. So I'm watching them for a very long moment and all three of them stop. I don't know how to explain it, even though I couldn't see all the details, I could tell that they all turned their heads to look at me. I feel like we made eye contact for a moment and whatever I was looking at, they knew I was watching them. And as I'm kneeling there, face first against my window, everything went kind of blank. Not like in a pass out kind of way, but it felt like a long blink. When I opened my eyes again, I was still in the same position, kneeling down looking out, and my face pressed against the window, and instead of 2am, it was just about 9am. I had blinked and missed about 7 hours worth of time. So like if he was in a daze? Like he was watching them, and then closed his eyes, but not like he fell asleep. It was like he blinked, like a long blink. And when he opened again, it was daylight when it was really about 2 a.m. This phenomenon is now known as the mirrored men. So I started listening to the podcast Monsters Among Us a couple years ago, probably around the pandemic. And I started all the way from the first season. If you guys haven't heard of Monsters Among Us, it's a podcast where people call in their paranormal encounters so there's a phone line where you call in and you talk about your paranormal encounter and he plays the calls during his show so it's very similar to la mano peluda if you remember that show uh it was a spanish show that we would listen to when we were little yeah it was it was scary it was so, but, creepy. <laughs> so it's very similar to that except it's in english i remember hearing this story on season one of the podcast and it stuck with me because It's not a UFO sighting, it's not a Bigfoot sighting, or a ghost encounter. It's something completely different that can't even be grouped. When Derek, who's the host of Monsters Among Us, went on the podcast called Blurry Photos to talk about mirrored men, he stated that after uploading Matt's story, he received about 10 more calls throughout the next few weeks from all over the country. 
In season two, episode four, he posted an episode dedicated to only married men encounters, where many listeners had the same things in common. Their encounters include two to three figure phenomenon that move in unison in slow movement. They usually wear dark clothing, with most reporting that they wear black cloaks. They have exaggerated facial features like big eyes or frog-like mouths, meaning they'll have a very wide mouth, but no lips. Oh, yeah. that sounds creepy. Yeah. And y'all can Google, if you can't, if you can't picture it, just Google mirrored men, monsters among us. And he has a couple of like merch with mirrored men and just the drawings. They're very, they're very creepy. I'm going to do that right now. I know I was holding off from the story. I yeah. didn't want to do any research because you told me about mm-hmm. it and I wanted to learn from you. Yeah. Look it up. It's very creepy. Oh, they have like a hat, kind of like a suit with a hat. Yeah, some of them will have a suit. Some of them have cloaks. They have like very like either big or small eyes, and they have a very wide mouth. I see the one with the cloak. For some reason, I'm gonna go back to last episode. It's giving me like hat man description with with the facial features. Mm, And the crazy thing, I didn't include that on the episode because I didn't want to make it about reptilian people. Mm -hmm. But they believe that the hat man is. I, I told you about them, the reptilian, the reptilian people or something mm-hmm. like that. Lizard people, something like that. They believe that that is the hat man and its true body is like a lizard. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm picturing that. Yeah, because I have a very frog-like face. Yeah. With a hat, like if it was a frog dressed up, <laughs> that's kind of what it looked like. Yeah. Um, and another thing that they have in common is that they all make eye contact with these figures and lose time. I actually listened to this episode when it was uploaded. It's about 40 to 50 minutes long. So I didn't get to finish it on my way back from work. But I remember that I had a nightmare that that night. You guys are going to be like this bitch in her nightmares. (laughs) No, you're good at having nightmares. (laughs) I am. And I can't remember the details of the nightmare. I just know I dreamt about mirrored men watching me. And I woke up really scared. And I didn't even finish listening to this episode. And I actually ended up taking a break from Monsters Among Us and Paranormal Stories altogether because I was... I was really scared, but I'm also just very intrigued on what they are. I'm going to share another personal encounter that was on Monsters Among Us. And Derek shared this story when he was on the podcast with Blurry Photos. And it goes like this. I was deer hunting in Indiana. It was 2011 or 2012. I was up on a deer stand being very quiet, surveying my surroundings and trying to be as stealthy as possible. It was around 3 p.m. and I hadn't spotted any deer. The woods were alive with sounds of wildlife. It was active and normal. It's when things go silent that you know animals are aware of you. Mm-hmm. I was scanning the area looking for any sign of deer when I caught sight of three shapes stalking slowly through the woods almost like how a predator will slowly move after its prey. I was upset at first when I noticed the people moving through the woods as I've been sitting up in this tree for hours and the last thing I needed was some hikers stomping through the brush and spooking all the game. That's when it hit me, how odd it was, that all the sounds of wildlife and bird calls hadn't stopped. For some reason, there's three people moving through the woods and the animals took no notice at all, not going quiet or silent like they would for me. The three weren't walking straight towards me, they were more diagonal. And as they reached a bit of clearing, I noticed how perfectly in sync they were. Every single motion was mirrored perfectly in a weird slow motion like they were moving through jello. They also were dressed identically in what looked like some old-fashioned tweed suits. I raised my scope to my eye to get a better look. 
that's when things went from weird to downright terrifying. The moment I had the gun raised toward these people, everything in the woods went completely silent. What I saw when looking through the scope was that all three had stopped forward movement and were slowly turning their head with that eerie slow motion. My heart was racing, but I continued to watch through the scope as the three turned towards me. What I saw was three men who looked wrong somehow. The shape of their eyes was somehow off. The space between their nose and mouth was slightly odd. Their mouths were too long. It reminded me of a bullfrog. They looked identical. The last thing I remember was them locking eyes on my tree stand. And then the sun was gone. It was dark. And I was no longer on my tree stand. Oh, nah. That's why I don't go to the woods. I wasn't hurt. And yet, my tree stand was 15 feet up. It was a climbing tree stand, meaning you need to use it to get up and get down. My gun was stuck in the ground as if I've dropped it from the stand just right or drove it in intentionally. I checked my phone for the time and it was 11.17 p.m. Somehow I had lost eight whole hours. I didn't have any pain at all and I'm certain that if I had fallen 15 feet to the ground, I would have at least a scrape or a bruise to show for it, but I didn't. That is creepy. Yes. That one scared me so much more than the first. Especially with the wildlife. I think that's what's scary about this is that when the mirrored men hadn't noticed him, the animals were just... It's like if if they weren't impacting the wildlife at all. Yeah. they were. It would like if they were part of it or if they were just invisible to it. It was until he spotted them that everything went silent and they turned to look at him. How do they know that they've been noticed? I don't know. That's scary. I'm glad I've never heard of them. Now, this is just two stories of the many mirrored men encounters. Some theories are that they could be interdimensional beings, or other theories are that they're actual people playing pranks. In 2016, ABC in Iowa reported men dressed in black standing in the middle of the road or jumping off bridges to scare people, but it still doesn't explain losing track of time. But whatever this phenomenon is, take a shot every time I say phenomenon this episode, (laughs) whatever it is, like Derek says, if you ever look out your window and see these three figures, look away, walk away as calm as you can. I would gladly, I wouldn't even look out the window. I I wouldn't even go to the window. I'd be like, you know what? I don't need to see what's outside. I am good. So I don't know what makes these people look out the window. Do the mirror men make a noise? Do they, like, what, what is it that gravitates them to just look out the window? It's almost like the mirrored men want you to look at them. Yeah, like they call you. Yeah, like they call you. Because it was like Matt's story where he was dead asleep. He woke up and just had that urge, like, I need to look outside. Yeah. So it's like, that was them. I feel like it was them calling It's so unknown. And I said it's fairly new. That's because nobody has really heard of this. I've never heard of it. First time ever. Or if people people saw this or whatever, maybe they didn't talk about it. Or it was one of those things that you're like, am I tripping? Like, did I really see what I saw? Um, Until they, I'm guessing until they started hearing the stories in Monsters Among Us. And then more people started calling like, hey, I actually saw the same thing. I think if I was to see something like that, I would immediately think like, what the heck are they doing? I would think it's a prank. I think it's someone, especially now with TikTok, someone is probably recording something. Yeah. But that really wouldn't explain falling asleep and waking up hours Mm -hmm. later. I feel like that happens a lot with alien encounters. Mm -hmm. 
where you're not sure about what you're looking at. If I would see them, like if I would see these three figures, I think at first, yeah, I'd be like, what the heck are these people doing outside? And then, but I think it's like the face and the movement. I think that's what really gets people is the slow motion movement and the way that they know you're looking at them. Like yeah. Matt's story, how do they know that he's way up there in his apartment? I mean, they didn't hear him, right? He's yeah. walking, they're walking away from him. And then same thing in the the deer stand. I mean, he's looking at them through a scope. But I think the um, missing time. Yeah. The, the missing time, time reminds me so much of like alien, alien abductions. abductions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What if it is something like that? Could be. Could be. Could be a lot of things. Your story was really good. I'm going to have to listen to that podcast. I think is it you a, really like it. Is it a specific episode? Like, does it say Mirrored Men or? He titles his episodes with what the episodes contain. So just any episode that has Mirrored Men. And he also has that episode. Season two, episode four is Mirrored Men. Mm-hmm. Like all Mirrored Men. You should listen to that one. Okay, I'm going to do that. But For now, we're going to go ahead and jump over to my story. Human sacrifice is when a human life is being offered to a god. In most cases, human blood is used as an offering. These sacrifices date back to prehistoric times. In Mexico, the Aztecs believed that the sun needed human nourishment to keep daylight, which led to the sacrifice of thousands of victims annually. They believed that if darkness won, the world would end. I was trying to figure out what they meant by this. But I'm, I'm thinking is if it's completely dark, there's no sun coming out. So they believe that sacrificing daily, they were wow. killing slaves every single day. They were taking out their hearts, just everything to give to their God. In modern day, the practice of human sacrifice is rarely used. That doesn't mean that it doesn't occur, but it is now punishable by law. Societies that will practice these sacrifices have now gone underground. In March of 2012, a family of eight were arrested by the Mexican government in Nacosari de Garcia in Sonora, Mexico. They were arrested under suspicion of performing human sacrifices to La Santa Muerte. In this episode, I'll be covering the gruesome murders Sect of Nacosari committed, also known as Secta de Nacosari. The family living in poverty believed that Santa Muerte would bring them health, wealth, and protection if they killed on her behalf. Silvia Meraz Moreno was born in Hermosillo, Sonora, Mexico in 1968. She was born into poverty and as a child had to work to help her family out. In 1984, at the age of 16, she had her firstborn son, Ramon Omar Palacios Meraz. By 1991, she moved to the copper mining village of Nacosari de Garcia in Sonora, Mexico. With her then-husband, she had three more children, Francisca Magdalena Barron Meraz, 21-year-old, Georgina Guadalupe Barron Meraz, who was 20 years old. Sylvia Yajaira Barron Meraz, who was 15 years old. By 2009, she was in a new relationship with another man named Eduardo Sanchez Urrieta. And like I mentioned earlier, she was born into poverty and never really managed to get out. She lived in a small shack made out of corrugated metal and weather tarps to protect from the rain. They didn't have any electricity or running water. We've seen these houses before when we've gone to Mexico. So you know how they're like in the middle of nowhere, like in the middle of land. Yeah. It's like a huge land. And then far away, you see that little shack. That's how they lived. Her father, Cipriano, her boyfriend, Eduardo, her oldest son, Ramon, his girlfriend, Soila, and all three daughters lived with Sylvia. 
The men made a living by going through the trash and collecting any valuable or recyclable items they could resell. So think of your glass, aluminum, you know, all like that soda stuff. Cans and everything. Yeah. Because remember we used to do that? When we would yeah. go over there, we'd save the plastic, the yeah. bottles of Coke. Uh-huh. They went in a separate basket or bag yeah. or whatever. Yeah, because they'll get money back. So they used to work like 12-hour shifts or... They weren't even shifts because they could just get up and go. Mm-hmm. And they're called, like in Spanish, they're called pepenadores. Okay. I've never heard that word before. I, I know mean, there was a name. Yeah. So they're, they're known as pepenadores. They used to make, I read $60, but I don't know if it's American dollars or it was 60 pesos. They just said they used to make 60 a week. Oh, wow. So I don't know if it's pesos or dollars. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's more 60 Pesos, pesos a right? week. Sixty dollars is still. It's a good amount. Now, while the men were out collecting trash, other men were seen by neighbors going in and out of the house while the women were at home. So, police believe that the women made their money through sex work. It hasn't been proven, but it's just all speculations. The family also received government assistance. They were given food, clothes, even farm animals like chickens. They'd also go to church to collect food from their pantry. So you know how church establishments have like monthly food drives? That's kind of what they would do. Okay, so now that we know a little bit of the background on their living conditions, you'll kind of understand why Sylvia turned into La Santa Muerte. She wanted her family to get out of poverty. She believed deep down to her core that by offering someone else's blood, Santa Muerte would repay the family with wealth. Santa Muerte, also known as La Flaquita, the skinny one, La Huesuda, the bony lady, La Niña Bonita, the pretty girl, or La Santísima Muerte, the most holy death. And another one that I found was uh, La Madrina, so the godmother. She's a mix of Aztecs and Spanish beliefs dating back to the years of 15 to 1600s. Like I mentioned earlier, the human sacrifice was highly ritualized by the Aztecs. In Aztec mythology, they had Mictecasiwat, who was the lady of the land of the dead. She protects the souls residing in the underworld known as Mictlan. Mictecasiwat is the goddess linked to the Day of the Dead in Mexico. I didn't know that till doing this research. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Is that where the whole calavera and stuff comes yep. from? It comes from her. So if you Google her, she's depicted as bony. So she was depicted with a skeletal body and a skull head. I believe she comes out on Coco when I think Miguel goes in the underworld. Yeah, yeah. Because when I was Googling La Santa Muerte, there was cartoons of Mictecasiwat. Now, in modern Spanish, they have La Parca, which is your Grim Reaper. And if you're familiar with the Grim Reaper, you know he has a black cloak holding a scythe. When the Spanish invaded Mexico, they also brought over their beliefs. So as time went on, a hybrid version of La Parca and Mictecasiwat was created, which we now know her as La Santa Muerte. So you have your Grim Reaper, who's already scary. And as we know, when you see him, it means death is near. Then you have the goddess of the underworld also associated with death. Now we can see why putting these together will create a fear to her image. The Catholic Church doesn't recognize her as a saint. According to the church, canonized saints were once real-life Christians in order to become an official saint. You'd also have to perform miracles, like permanent healings that can be verified by a doctor. Then the Pope will decide if you'd be an official saint. But Santa Muerte is highly linked to cartel and black magic, which is why it's not looked at positively. I mean, you and I are both 
Well, I don't know about you and I, but I know at one point I was very scared. Yeah. No, I'm really scared of La Santa Muerte. Every time I drive behind, you know how some trucks or, I mean, not just trucks, but some cars have La Santa Muerte in the back. I cannot even make eye contact with it. I go around it just because I'm so scared of it for some reason. Like, I'm just, it just scares me. I think because we grew up with that fear. Because I, yeah. I was like that. I want to say even till last year, I was scared. But I think doing this research kind of shifted my mind. I'm not going to pray to her because that's right. not what I believe in. But I won't fear seeing her. Because even walking into that curandero shop right there by the house. Yeah, they have a huge altar. The minute you walk in. And they have like the big one, little ones, and they're all over. And I was always like, should I buy stuff from here? Is it okay for me to buy my white candles from here? Because they have the Santa Muerte. But to me, with the article, I took it as it depends how you use her. So like women back in the days, or this is how it kind of started. Women use her as assistance with their love. So they created altars for her to punish their lovers if they were being cheated on. She's also linked to a lot of satanic practices. Some say that Santa Muerte has helped with their prayers, like getting someone out of jail or with important interviews or appointments that they have. We do see her in a lot of cartel-related yeah. things, like even movies. But not to compare, I've also seen San Judas, St. Jude, being used by cartels. Yeah, I'm not scared of St. Jude. What, why Why would I be scared of La Santa Muerte? And I think it's because of that, because mm -hmm. she's linked to a lot of black magic. Yeah. And I, we grew up with that fear. I think, well, from what I know, the maybe the biggest difference is that doesn't La Santa Muerte make you pay if you don't do what she asked of you? That's what they say, but I didn't see anything in my research. Okay. Because I know that's mm -hmm. what I was looking for. That apparently if you don't give her something, like you have to repay her in order for her to give you what you want. I didn't see anything in any of the articles where she punishes you if you don't give her something back. So that's why I was like, mm, it changed my views. Like I know now if I see someone wearing La Santa Muerte, I'm not going to immediately be, be scared of them because that, that used to be mm -hmm. me. I used to be scared of them. Oh my God. And then one time when I was working at Sephora, you know how we have uh, San Benito, St. Benedict? Mm -hmm. This lady was like, what do you have right there? Looked at my bracelet and she saw what it was. And she literally made like a stink face. So I think I was thinking back at that and I was like, that's kind of messed up. Because people look at us that way. We were raised right. with the saints and everything. Like yeah. They, yeah. So I kind of felt bad. I reflected a lot within these past three days. Mm -hmm. Like, damn, I'm over here. I'm not making caras, but like I judging. feel. Yeah. Yeah, because in a way we judge. Like, I judge too. Whenever I see it, I'm like, oh, like, darkness. Yeah, <laughs> but we grew up with that. Yeah. I had no idea that it was a mix of Aztec and Spaniard beliefs. I always thought it stemmed from black magic. Okay, so getting back to this. Because of the faith many have with Santa Muerte, Sylvia turned to her for help and created her altar. In 2009, Sylvia invited her friend Cleotilde, a 55 years old, over to her home Remember how earlier I said that they lived in like big land? Mm -hmm. They were a few feet away from the house. And Sylvia had put 20 pesos on the floor and told Clotilde to pick them up. And as she bent over to pick them up, Sylvia swung an axe to her friend's neck, decapitating her. She then started stabbing her abdomen and collected her blood. 
trying to get rid of the body, they set Cleotilde on fire. They realized that this wasn't going to work, so Silvia got her father and daughter involved. Cipriano and one of Silvia's daughter took the body further away from their property. They dug a grave and put Cleotilde in there. Silvia had a lot of control on her family and they feared her, so it was easy for her dad and daughter to participate. They just believed that the same thing would happen to them if she could easily do it to her friend, she can also do it to them. They also believed her when she said Santa Muerte was going to help them if they brought blood to her altar. This is where you can skip like 15 seconds or 30 seconds because I will talk about um, the kids. In 2010, 10-year-old Martin, who was the biological son of Silvia's boyfriend, Eduardo, went missing. Silvia told her daughters that Santa Muerte was communicating with her and told her that she wanted the blood of a child. She got him drunk and had her youngest daughter, who was 13 at the time, stab him, collect his blood, and spread it around the altar. According to Eduardo, he said he looked for him and cried for him. He made a police report and reported him missing. Their final victim was Jesus, another 10-year-old boy. Jesus was the adopted son of Ramon and therefore Silvia's grandson. Jesus was also murdered the same way as Martin. They also got him drunk and spread his blood all over the altar. They buried him and poured concrete over his body. Jesus' biological mother reported him missing and once he was reported missing, the police realized that there was a connection to the family from a previous missing child, which was Martin. So that caught the police attention. Mm -hmm. Police paid a visit to the family, and that's where they found traces of human blood around Santa Muerte's altar. The police took them in for questioning, and they confessed to all three murders. They all pointed fingers at each other. Of course, no one took the blame for it. But what they all agreed is that Silvio was the mastermind. The family said that they went along out of fear and that she pressured them. They eventually told the police where to find the bodies. I saw a report that Sylvia was given 187 years in jail, but there was nothing else about the other members of the family. So I don't know if they got out, which I doubt it, but I don't know how much time they received. And then I saw an interview. You know how they have those uh, press conferences? Mm -hmm. And... They all acted like they didn't know what was going on. They thought it was normal. So the 13-year-old girl, she thought it was normal. She thought it was, that that's how it was, that you had to sacrifice a life in order for you to get out of poverty. But this started in 2009, and they were still in poverty. I know the daughters helped a lot. And one of them apparently was doing witchcraft, and they said that La Santa Muerte would talk to them and tell them that she wanted these things. Maybe they had heard of someone else doing it, so it seemed normal in a way. Or it maybe doesn't. like narcos do it, so they're like, oh, narcos do it and they're wealthy, so let's do it. Yeah, that could be it. I know it's big. They have a lot of faith in her over there. Do you know if by any chance they ever got money from it or if they found money or anything like that? Nothing. No. Nothing ever came to them. I would think maybe, I mean, of course, by coincidence. But if they had, let's say, found money somewhere, then that would drive them to sacrifice the other two or the other person. No. So in 2009, when they killed Cleotilde, I don't think anything happened because this is why Sylvia said that the Santa Muerte told her to bring me a child 
so I can give this to you. So that's when first um, they murdered Martin. Nothing happened. So she wants another one. So then they got Jesus. It's kind of sad. Wow. Yeah, this is a, it was a rough one. I am going to link the videos that I watched and the articles. Some of them are in Spanish. I think I found one that's in English. So you can read. There's really not that much. I just want to say that there's not that much out there. Everything is very repetitive. Whoa. So that done. one made me feel weird. What? Your story. Just like so like dark. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I gravitate towards the darker cases or the dark stories in general. Yeah. Which is, I guess, involving La Santa Muerte and everything. You know, this is why there's such darkness around it because of what people would do for her. Yeah. I really had no idea that it was a mix of the two. The Grim Reaper is pretty scary, though. And he is associated mm-hmm. with death. I really thought it was just like the Grim Reaper, but the female version. Of Green Reaper. No. Now you learned something new. I did. I was telling my mom, she's so judgy. She was like, I know, I know, yeah. I know. <laughs> I'm like, mom, listen. Do you know anything about Aztec history? I I know. I'm like, oh my yeah. God. Don't even mention it. I know. <laughs> and I, I told her, I was like, I just have a different view of her. Ah, Jessica. <laughs> like, that doesn't mean that I'm going yeah. to use her that just means that i won't be judging because i mean i'm guilty of it or guilty of feeling scared mm-hmm. if someone has it on i'd be like oh, did you see she had a santa muerte on nada que ver girl get yeah. it together so like now now i know i won't be scared yeah. i feel that i won't at least very informative yeah thank you for that i think i would like to hear more stories on la santa muerte like people that actually believe in la santa muerte just like their, their take on it. Honestly, I was on TikTok a lot because of La Santa Muerte. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that use her for good. And they even have her next to San Judas. There's mm-hmm. a lot of altars with them together. I don't know what it is, the association of them two together. Yeah. It's reminding me of, I don't know if your mom does this, but my mom is big on this saint that's for lenguas, mudas, sordas, y no sé qué. No. I heard of the one where you misplace something. I don't know his name. Yeah, you misplace something and you... We literally just did that when we went to Dustin. Somebody lost their keys. One of my cousins lost their keys. And everybody was looking for them for hours, right? And then my tia, which is like a big, you know, Catholic, she's like, okay, we're all going to pray this prayer towards this saint that's going to help us find a missing item. And then she sent it like in the group and they were, my mom and her were sitting outside praying it. And then I'm not even kidding. The keys were found 10 minutes after. Yeah. I don't know if it was coincidence or if it was this, the prayer, of course, to them, it was like, wow, it like worked or if it was a coincidence. But yeah, I don't know. My mom is a huge believer. She's lost her driver's license. She's lost cards. She's lost her wallet before. And every time she does this prayer, she'll find it. Mm -hmm. It's Crazy. I mean, she may not find it right then and there. I think when it's an emergency, she has. Like, it's happened once with the wallet. Yeah. She ended up finding it. She found it somewhere in the back seat, something like that. And she doesn't go to the back seat. I mean, she drives her car. And um, with her debit card, she kept praying and praying every single day. But I think because it wasn't important, because she didn't need it at that time, she hid Sophie's toy between the the pillows and the sofa. Mm-hmm. And she shoved her hand in there to grab the toy. 
and out comes the card. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she's like, oh, my God, mi tarjeta. Mm -hmm. I'm like, where was it? She's like, right here where I hit Sophie's toy. And I'm like, so where's her toy? Like, it's right here. And I'm like, but the card came out? She's like, yeah. It's like, huh, that's weird. She's like, por eso debes de rezar. I don't know the prayer, but she's like, that's Mm -hmm. why you need to pray to him when there's something missing. So, I mean, it's pretty interesting. And I think I could see why some people say it's a coincidence, especially if they don't believe. Because I know we get judged for... For praying to saints. I know that. And there's people out there that don't believe in saints. So they can consider it as a coincidence or or not. The saint is San Antonio. Yes, San Antonio. Oración a San Antonio por las cosas perdidas. What is it in English? So it's prayer to Saint Anthony to recover lost things. That's a good prayer to have. Well, all right. Let's wrap it up. Send us any of your stories if you have any miracles that happen after a yeah. prayer or... I feel like with every episode, we're putting more and more personal encounters in. Also, please try to share our podcast because we want to grow. Yes. Like we said last time, we're on Instagram. We're on TikTok. So just follow us at... Something Ominous Podcast for Instagram. TikTok is Something Ominous. So thank you guys for listening. Don't forget to send those stories and rate us. Yes. Please and thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.